Uh, The reading this morning is taken from John chapter 11 and it's verses 38 to 44 and it is on page 1078 of um, your Bibles. That's John 11 verses 38 to 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, good morning. My name is Sam Douglas. I'm the worship and communications lead here at St. Jude's. I'm going to say a few words to you. Uh, It might mean nothing to you. It might mean something to you. Desert Island Discs. That'll mean something to people of a certain age. Piers Morgan Life Stories. Diary of a CEO. Interviews. Celebrity Lives. The Exceptional. What is it like to be someone who's just so exceptional that people want to interview you, they want to talk to you, they want to talk about your life? We know that money and things in life don't necessarily lead to happiness. But you hear these people talking about their lives, their relationships, what happened, what's gone on, and sometimes it's disastrous. But it seems they always end it by saying, oh, but I'm happy. When you know they're not really happy. Not really. So I have a question for you. Are you happy? And I don't mean in an emotional sense. I mean in a deep spiritual sense. Is it well with your soul? When you look at your life, when you look at today, this week, this month, this year, this decade, the whole context of your life, are you happy? Is it well with you? Or do you feel like you're missing a bigger context, a purpose? Is there something in your life that you're not quite getting? My wife is pregnant. Her name is Jen. She's watching. She's watching right now. Hello, darling. um, She's pregnant. And every day of her pregnancy, I prayed a prayer. I prayed that everything would be well with her and with the baby and that it would all be fine. But on Monday, uh, she went in for a scan and all wasn't well. So I spent this week sitting on a chair opposite a hospital bed. And it wasn't well with me. 
Emotionally, I was struggling. Physically, I was struggling with stress and disappointment. And why, God, when I pray this prayer every day, surely if prayer works, if I pray this prayer every day, it will lead me to what I want. But even in the midst of the madness, I I still saw God working for his glory, for his good. And even when I was most upset, frustrated, disappointed, distraught, stressed, any of these emotions, it was still well with my soul. I had a deep sense of spiritual peace, despite the distress, despite the events, despite everything that's going on. And the reason for that is that I have a hope. I have a glorious hope in a king, in a person called Jesus. And that is the truth, both on a a wider level, when you see an individual narrative in the Bible, when you look at it across time, you look at comparing stories together. When I look at my own life, it is well with my soul because I have a glorious hope in Jesus Christ. Is it well with your soul? So, this morning we're in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, uh, like a great football match, is a game in two halves. I won't say anything about Southampton Football Club this morning. I already have. I'm not going to say any more. It's like a game in two halves. The Gospel of John is like a game in two halves. First half of the Gospel of John, we have what's called the Book of Signs. There's a series of seven signs that Jesus does that helps to reveal who he is. You'll recognize them. We've got water into wine, healing the official son, curing uh, the paralytic, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, healing the blind man. And then the seventh, which is often described as Jesus' greatest sign, is Lazarus, raising Lazarus from the dead. So what does Jesus want to do with his greatest sign? He has a series of six signs beforehand. Then he's got his greatest sign. Following that are the the days and weeks leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection and the, the events that follow. But he's got this one great sign at the end of this series of six, this number seven, this great sign. He has an opportunity to do something, to communicate something to us that's important. What does he want to do with it? The truth is, with Lazarus, it can be a very familiar story. We can remember the what, but we can forget the why. So let's start with the what. So I'll be going through the passage. You might want to have your Bibles open in front of you. It's page 1077, starting at the beginning of chapter 11. That's 1077, starting at the beginning of chapter 11. So we kick off. Verse 1 of chapter 11, we're introduced to our three primary characters besides Jesus and the disciples. We have Lazarus, who was sick. We have Mary, who is the one who anointed Jesus' feet. And we have Martha. Then in verse 3, it says, So the sisters sent word to, to, to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You might know this account quite well. But imagine you didn't. Imagine someone came to Jesus and said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. What would you imagine that he'd do? You imagine that he'd, he'd go to them, he'd heal them, and they'd be fine. But that's not quite what happens. So Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. He stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Why would Jesus do that? Why would he wait four days in total, including traveling time, 
if Lazarus was truly the one that he loved? Why would God not follow through on the prayers when we really want to get something, we pray every day for something that we really care about? Why wouldn't we get to, to what we want if, God, if we really are the people who God loves? There's a deeper purpose. There's a deeper meaning behind this. There's a why behind the what. And we'll come to that in a minute. So what happens? Verse 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So what's happening is they're going back to Judea, a place where uh, the Jews previously tried to stone Jesus. And Thomas, uh, being the pessimistic man that he is, I love Thomas, he said, let us also go that we may die with him. And this line really is an actor's dream. You could read it in so many different ways. It's like to be and not to be. It could be solemn and deep. You know, let us also go that we may die with him. But it could be sarcastic and frustrated. You know, oh, let us also go that we may die with him. Ultimately, though, it seems to communicate both loyalty and pessimism. Let us go with him despite the dangers that we all may also die with him. There's the pessimism. It's been described as a, loyal, a cry of loyal despair. So then what happens? Jesus talks to Mary and Martha. He asks, where have you laid him? Jesus weeps. Jesus goes to the tomb, commands the stone to be rolled away. In verse 43, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So there's the what. But we know behind the what, there's a why. There's a deeper purpose, a message that Jesus is trying to communicate through this sign. It's not just random. Jesus being God and all isn't an impulsive and spur of the moment kind of guy. Throughout the Bible, we find numerous times where God says that he has a plan. Jesus is a man with a plan. This seventh greatest sign, this account of Lazarus, it wasn't random. It had a purpose. But what was the purpose behind Jesus' greatest sign? Let's have a look. So verse three. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Verse four. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Peculiar thing to say seeing that Lazarus does die, and it's a pretty core plot point, both of this chapter and of the whole gospel. Why does Jesus say this? There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture going on. Verse four, no, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. That's the key to the whole chapter. It's for God's glory. The reason Jesus waits when finding out that Lazarus is sick is not because he doesn't want to go to Lazarus and he doesn't want to help him. It's because there is a greater purpose at hand. There is the glorification of God, we can, that we can see his glory, and that something happens because of that. And we're going to find out as we go down the chapter. We see that it says, Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Again, a really weird word. Why did he say asleep? It's, it's, it's not a very clear bit of communication. The disciples are confused by it. In verse 13, it says, Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. 
So it's so that you may believe. There's something about the glory of God and believing in him. We're starting to get these elements together, working out what Jesus is trying to say to us. We go down to verse 19. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So we have a big crowd of witnesses. There is a large audience. Jesus is going to do something and he wants the witnesses to see and for the witnesses to believe. Something about the glory of God and believing and seeing what's going on. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, weighty statement. In John's gospel, Jesus has seven I am statements. You'll probably know them quite well. But this is, this is big. I am the resurrection and the life. Why did he save this I am statement for this chapter? What's going on? So we've got the glory of God. We've got believing. We've got the resurrection and the life. We've got the idea that Lazarus is asleep. Interesting choice of words. Suggests that it's temporary. Not like the finality of death. He's asleep. We're starting to get things fitting together. And then in verse 34, Jesus says, where have you laid him? He came to the tomb and the stone, and Martha says this, but Lord, says Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, the time, by this time there is a bad odor, for it has been four days. There is a bad odor. The King James Version is my favorite translation of this verse. Lord, by this time he stinketh. He stinketh. Then verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So if you believe, you will see the glory of God, which is connected with the temporary nature of sleep, rising again, life, the resurrection and the life. There's something going on here. We can see what's going on. Believing, leading to life, and that glorifying God. There are these three strands that come together. And it's not just within the context of the story of Lazarus. It goes across two different stories. This story, this narrative, is screaming at us, Jesus, Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. What's Jesus pointing us to with the story of Lazarus? He's pointing us to himself. He is the person who gives a resurrection and life. Without him, there is no resurrection and life, not truly. He is the person who gives it. And it takes us to his death and resurrection on the cross. There's this amazing parallel. There are key details that you'll, you'll see. We, we know, we know just by reading this, it's related with Jesus' death and resurrection. We've got uh, Lazarus being brought back to life after a number of days. We've got the tomb, we've got the rolling back of the stone, the grave clothes. We've got Mary anointing, which kicks off the second part of the Gospel of John. We've got the pessimism of Thomas. You know, I, I won't believe unless I see the scars. We've got the phrase, where have you laid him? There's a parallel. But also, the narrative of Lazarus leads us on to the resurrection. But because of Jesus' work, by raising Lazarus from the dead, there was a plot to kill Jesus in response to that. It was building throughout the other signs. But there it is, a plot to kill Jesus because he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus laying down his life for his friends, truly. The story of Lazarus triggers the resurrection. So we've got this wider context. We've got the immediate context of Lazarus. We've got the, the two parallel stories. But then what about in our own lives? This is very big picture stuff. 
What about the day-to-day? What about this morning when you're feeling tired, you didn't get enough sleep, you have to do this, you have to do that. It's, it's painful, it's difficult. Where is the glorious hope in amongst that? I think the true measure of whether something is glorious is by seeing how it performs in the worst of times. How does it perform in the worst of times? And in the story of Lazarus, we really do see the worst of times. Lazarus has died. His sisters are upset. Jesus is upset. How does Jesus behave in the worst of times? Does this hope stand up in the worst of times? It does. Of course it does. God loves us. Jesus loves us. Whatever we're going through, despite it, through it, Jesus loves us. Find this in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This idea of love is like a friendship. Jesus, our friend. And Martha and Mary and Lazarus, they were all different people. He loved them all distinctly for who they were as friends. He loves each and every one of us, no matter what situation we're going through. But it's not just love. He's also moved with compassion. He feels it. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the English translation of the Bible, at least in the King James. Jesus wept. It's it's a shedding of tears in quiet anguish. He was, he, was, he was disturbed by it. He wept because of the suffering that they were going through, because he cared, because he loved them. When Jesus sees our situation, he's, he's not just far and distant. It's not like he doesn't care. He loves us. Not only does he love us, but he, he's moved with compassion, and he responds to it. And you can kind of think, well, that's great, but it's still really tough. And the truth is, it is. It is tough but it is also temporary. Just like Jesus said that Lazarus was asleep, it's a temporary state before he comes to new life in God's presence. This life is a temporary experience. It won't last forever. The difficult times won't last forever. We know that God is with us in every moment, in every fear, in every anxiety. He cares about us, he loves us, he's there for us. But there's also a bigger picture, this glorious hope that we have in Jesus. And it's a hope that is worth sharing. Despite the difficult times, it is a hope that is truly worth sharing. So what are we going to do about it? Lazarus became a problem. There was a plot to kill him because of the impact he was having on the landscape around him. He was telling people about what happened. People had seen what had happened. It was disturbing the status quo. There was a plot to kill him. Lazarus was dangerous in the most constructive sense of the word. Are we prepared to be dangerous in the limited time we have for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God? Do we really believe in this glorious hope? Let's pray. Dear God, you're with us through everything. Through the good, through the bad. Through the stressful, through the joyful. Thank you that you give us your peace, your joy. That you work through our lives. Thank you that we have a hope in you, a glorious hope. 
that is for your glory. Please help us to live our lives within the wider context of your plan. That we would live for you. That we would live with you. That we would share our lives with you in the highs and the lows. And that we would be effective tools for your mission during our limited time on earth. Please fill us with your presence now. Remove all the distractions. Help us just to focus on you, our beautiful Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>